0: house of prayer Um, God hears our prayers when you cry out to him he hears your prayers when we humble ourselves and we seek his face turn from our wicked ways he hears our prayers God delights in moving in your life It, it makes God happy when you cry out to him you know, um, I think about what what Jesus did. You know, Jesus. There are so many miracles in the Bible that you read about. Made the blind man see, and cast demons out, and and uh, healed the leper, and uh, healed the sick, and made the deaf hear. And and you know, guys, God is still still doing miracles today. He is still doing miracles today. I don't know what you're going through, but God knows what you're going through. And I want to encourage you to just cry out to the Lord, cry out to the Lord in this church. And I'm sure online, we have uh, people who are going through all kinds of stuff, health issues and financial issues and job issues and relationship issues and all kinds of problems and with marriage and, and friends or whatever it might be. And, and we just want to cry out to the Lord. So if you're comfortable, if there's someone nearby, would you put your hand on their shoulder and, and uh, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's cry out to the Lord together. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Lord. You are our hope. You are our Savior, the risen one the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And we cry out to you right now, Lord. I pray that you work in every home that's in the house, in every home that's watching online. You know what every soul is going through. You know why they're watching, why they're attending church, Lord. So I pray, first of all, Lord, for that home, that person that's working through some health issues. God, I pray that you miraculously heal them of cancer. I pray that you miraculously heal them from that ailment in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for your mercy. Work in their life like you did with Hezekiah, who cried out to you when he was ill, and you gave him another 15 years. God, move like that. I pray for that marriage that's just barely hanging on i pray god that you work in that husband and that wife i pray for reconciliation i pray that they turn to you jesus with all their heart i pray lord that you you work in each heart and each heart learns what it means to die to themselves i pray for our children We have some kids, Lord, who have just turned away and even walked away from the church. And I just pray for them right now. You know where they're at. And I pray that you speak to them and you show them who you are and you show them your love for them. God, speak to him. Speak to her, Lord, wherever they're at. God, if they're wherever they're living, Lord, you can speak to them just like the prodigal son. No one is too far for you. And Lord, I pray for that person who's going through a job transition who's just living day to day. I pray God that you as the God who provides continue to provide for them. I pray that you don't just give them a job but you give them an amazing job right from your hand. I pray for that person who um maybe their business is slow I pray that their business increases I pray for your blessing I pray that they're prosperous and I pray they recognize it's from your hand God that that came I pray for that person who's far from you God and they don't even know the last time they heard you would you speak to them Lord Jesus speak to them Speak to them, Lord Jesus. I pray for that person, Lord, who's struggling with an addiction and it's so private. Only you and they know about it. They're they're hiding it in secret, Lord, but you see them. Would you set them free, God? Set them free from that in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for that person who's struggling to understand your love, struggling to see their value and their worth. God, I pray for that brother that I saw make that post that said he has no value. Show him and us how valuable we are in your eyes, God. I pray for that person who's worried, who has anxiety, I pray, God, that you give them peace, a peace of mind that surpasses all understanding. Be with them, Lord. Jesus, you are the greatest name we can cry out to, Jesus. And right now, whatever season we're in, we cry out to you, Jesus. Move in this church. Move in the heart of families, men, women, young and old, Lord. Draw people to yourself here, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you for being with us in this service. We lift up all of our needs. All of our needs. The needs in this church, but the needs of our neighbors, the needs of our coworkers, the needs of our friends, Lord. I pray that you save those people around us that person that we go to school with that doesn't know you, I pray, I pray they get saved. That co-worker, I pray, Lord, that they come to know you. And by your grace, God, use those in the house, use those who are watching online. May we be missionaries, vessels of your love and grace. Give us the words to say. Continue to build up this church, Lord. Use that donkey that we have in the front Lord to draw people to your church, to your to your to your feet Jesus. Cuz it's all about you Jesus. Build up this service and next service and and God even guide us on who to invite to church next week on Easter weekend. Prepare their hearts even right now, Lord. Jesus, we give ourselves to you. Search our hearts. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for any sin. Anything that we're carrying, we turn to you and we repent of it and we ask you for your forgiveness right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. Hey, let's sing that again, guys. Um, we're not enough, you know that phrase. Let's do that. Let's worship Him. You know, on Palm Sunday, um, depends on which Gospel you read. One of them Jesus said, "If they don't, if, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out." And you have breath. You have a voice. We know you use your voice. People around you know you use your voice. When you want something, you let people know, don't you? You let people know. You're not shy about it. Well, I to encourage you to just, let's raise our hands and let's cry out to Jesus and just tell him, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you.
1: I foi
0: to someone and just say, he's coming. Can you do that? Turn to someone and just say, he's coming. Uh, He's coming. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord, guys. I'll tell you, I needed that. Anybody else need that? Anybody else need that? I just need to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, So good. Did you notice we had a donkey out there? Anybody notice that? How many of you wanted to say ass and you were thinking it and you didn't say it? Don't say ass in church. It's a donkey. <laughs> it's just, well, it's good to be in church. Welcome, welcome, welcome those of you who are online. Uh, so glad, so glad you're here. Um, Palm Sunday is like one of the most exciting weekends for me that I get to preach about. I'm so excited about it. But before I do, I need to share a couple of things with you. A couple of in-house stuff. One is um, today, right now, starts, we're going to have 11 services over the next nine days. Guys, we're just going to seek God out with all of our hearts, and we have church tomorrow, and we have church Monday night at six thirty, Tuesday six thirty, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's going to be an amazing time of worship. Clear your schedule. Come here every night during the week, and then of course next weekend is Easter weekend. And one of our needs is we need more help with our guest relations team. We want to have people out in the parking lot, in the front and in the back, saying hello to people as they come to church. Did you know people make up their mind within the first seven minutes of whether or not they're going to like the church before the preacher even preaches? And you know the two questions they have? Can this church meet my needs? And is there anybody else here like me? Those are the two questions they have. So we want to love on people as soon as they open up their car door. And we want to say thanks for coming to church. So do me a favor. At the end of this service, you can go to the back welcome bar and say, how do I sign up? guest relations because we need more help, guys. We need more help. Um, The other thing I want to let you know about, just coming around here pretty quickly, is April 22 and 23. It's going to sneak up on us. It's in a few weeks. We are celebrating 20 years at Thorn Creek Church. Can you believe that? 20-year anniversary. So we want everyone to come to church. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So make sure that's on your calendar. And obviously, please pray for next weekend, we have Easter services. We have a phenomenal choir, guys. I'm just going to say they're amazing. You're going to see them. It's going to be way cool. We're going to be doing some fun worship, guys. So don't don't miss church. Uh, we got a lot of services uh, coming now. So uh, be a part of it. Um, Palm Sunday um, this weekend uh, marks the the anniversary when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. Um, have you ever waited on God? Or you expected God to do something a certain way, and then he didn't do it the way you thought he would do it? And you thought, well, I, I thought I understood what God was going to do, but instead he did something else. I remember when uh when we were starting Thorn Creek Church, uh, Grace and I, and when we were starting it, um there were about 9 people from one church and uh they were coming to be a part of it. They were in our living room and they were all Christians and I was they were all nine gifted uh very gifted uh people, Christians who had all these talents and I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is the beginning." Thorn Creek Church. This is how it's going to start. And I was so excited. I told Grace, oh, she's going to be great in guest relations. And, oh, have you heard him sing? And they can be great. And he can be in this position and she can be in this position. And I'm just working through my head of all these nine amazing, talented Christians that are going to help start the church. And you know what happened? None of them stayed at Thorn Creek Church. The church that they came from said, hey, we want you after all. So they went back to the church if they got another story. But you know what God decided to do? He started it with three strangers instead three strangers, and God said, this is how I'm going to do it, Reuben. And I was like, well, Lord, I thought you were going to do it this way. This was a pretty good plan. I feel better about this plan. <laughs> and God says, no, I want you to live on the edge of the unknown. I want you to trust me. I'm going to be the one who's going to start this. And so many times in our life, guys, we have a, a mentality or a perspective that we think, oh, this is how God's going to work. And something else happens. Oh, I'm going to get this job. And then God doesn't give you that job. Or I'm going to, I'm going to start this and you, you don't start this, whatever it is. God is so creative creative. He's so good at working and he's so he's so timing is so important. In fact, Palm Sunday is really about this divine perfect storm. It really is. There is this divine perfect storm that around that surround Palm Sunday weekend. There's this 500-year-old prophecy from this prophet named Zechariah and there's, there's also this expectation of a Messiah that is just swelled up and people are like ready for him. And then, and then you look at the life of Jesus. He's now, he's about to turn 33 years old and he's been doing ministry for three years and, and now his time is about to, about to come. You have Rome. Rome is the, the mighty empire and Rome has put in these roads that are now around. And so now there's, there's that as well. And then you have this Jewish Passover that's happening. This Jewish Passover, and it's called a Super Passover, and you have literally over two million people coming together to bring their lamb, and 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 you have all of these things: this prophecy, and 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 the Passover, and and the timing of Jesus, and the expectation, and then the Roman Empire, and then you have this donkey. <laughs> you have this donkey that happens to be there at the right place at the right time. So really, Palm Sunday is this incredible, incredible, divine, perfect storm. It marks the beginning of what's known as Passion Week. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and then Monday through Friday, he's getting ready. Of course, Friday is Good Friday. It's the day he goes to the cross, then he's resurrected on Sunday morning. So the prophecy. Let's look at that for a little bit. Israel uh, returned from Babylon and were rebuilding the temple right around 520 to 470 BC, about 500 years or so before Christ was born. And uh, they use God uses his prophet named Zechariah. His name, the name Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered, or God remembers, or God has remembered. And when the Israelites were rebuilding this temple, they have been on it for about 12 years, and they're only halfway done. Have you ever been on a project where you're like halfway done, and you're like out of gas? You're like, I'm just tired. (laughs) I started this kitchen, this renovation. I started the landscape job. Whatever it is, you know, I'm just... Tired. I'm trying to make the right whatever you just, you know, that's where the Israelites were about 500 years before Christ was born. And uh, they're, they're tired, and God sends this prophet Zechariah to encourage them. And he says these words Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. It's beautiful. This prophecy was lingering in the minds of Hebrews for about 500 years. It was passed from one generation to the next. There's this spirit of anticipation. And here's what we can walk away with, guys. Palm Sunday shows us that God's timing is always perfect. That's what Palm Sunday says. His timing is always perfect. Perfect. We get uh, antsy, we get impatient, we want God to move quickly, we want things to change quickly. But God's timing is always perfect. You can trust God and His timing. Our challenge is to be faithful while we're waiting, to be obedient, to trust God. Sometimes, even when we don't see anything happening, God says, I want you to trust me, even though you don't see anything happening. Now, the circumstances around Palm Sunday, before we go into the story, we're going to read out of Matthew, but the circumstances around it, first of all, I want you to understand is Jesus is on a mission. He is on a mission. In fact, the gospel of Luke tells us his mission, and this is what it says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Let's read that together, guys. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. There's the mission of Jesus. Jesus. That's why he came into the world. That's why God sent him into the world to seek and to save the lost. And of course, the end of it is the resurrection, but it, you have to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. So the purpose of Jesus is to, is to save humanity and not just that generation, but every generation, the entire human race. In fact, Jesus knew the significance of Jerusalem. And many times in his ministry, you see these words. Luke chapter 13 says, when Jesus went, through, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Jesus was one driven guy. Single-minded. Focused. He knew he needed to go to Jerusalem. And even while he was performing miracles and doing all the wonderful teachings, even while he was doing all that, he was aware that Jerusalem was his destination. Um, Someone said, we will never know this side of heaven, what terrible struggles took place in the spiritual world between Palm Sunday and Easter morning. You thought you had a bad week. It's nothing compared to the week that Jesus is about to have from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. And the spiritual battles that happened internally, sometimes our internal battles are so challenging, aren't they guys? You ever had an internal battle that nobody can see? Maybe you struggled with depression or you struggled with suicidal thoughts or you struggled with whatever. You know, for me, I remember this a year ago at this time, I was at home and I wasn't preaching on Palm Sunday weekend. I was ill. I got that Ramsey Hunt thing and I was recouping and I was out of I was out of the pulpit for months. And I remember being at home thinking, Lord, what are you doing? So private. It's that so such, when well, you know, this church has been so loving and encouraging. But when you're in that moment, when you're in that private battle, you're saying, God, I don't get it. So many times God allows things to happen in this world that don't make sense to us, right? We look at, okay, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I, I, I lost him or lost her. And I, don't know why, and I don't know why I'm in this situation. And if God is loving... Then why is this happening? And we go through those things. And God ultimately, he calls us, he says, you walk by faith. You trust me. I'm going to see you through this. And when we're on the other side, we can look back and we can see God's faithfulness. But when you're in it, your theology, your faith is challenged and tested. John chapter 11 says something else. Jesus was a wanted man. Says this. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus's death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. Now, when did he become, he says Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. You know what happened? Jesus did something that really bothered all of the religious leaders. He did something, like he crossed over the line. He performed one miracle that made Jesus a wanted man. You know what it was? He raised Lazarus from the dead. That was too much. And all of a sudden, religious leaders felt like their influence, their position was threatened. And Lazarus was dead for four days and now the guy's walking around and he's at the grocery store and at the gas station and, you know, he's walking around. Everybody's, there goes Lazarus. Yeah, that guy in four days, he was dead. and Look at him. I see him right there. So it was creating this incredible uh, momentum and energy and, and, and a lot of publicity for Jesus. And, and the, the Jewish leader said, we want him dead. So he becomes this, this wanted man. Verse 55 says, it was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early. So they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, what do you think? He won't come for Passover. Will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. So you have this incredible thing called the Jewish Passover. This is like the Super Bowl of Jewish holidays. At least 2.7 million people, according to scripture, there had to be a 10 person minimum for every one lamb that was slain. And this was Old Testament laws here of how to take care of your sin. You need to bring a lamb and you need to offer that lamb as a sacrifice for your sin and the sins of your home. So there's a bunch of lambs all over the place. I so wanted to bring the donkey into church, guys. I'm just telling you. But then I thought, I don't know how that's going to go. That donkey starts bucking or something like that. That might be a problem. But Jesus shows up during Passover weekend the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. God provides his own lamb. Everybody's bringing their lamb, but God provides his lamb. His name is Jesus. And think about this. Jesus didn't have Snapchat, Instagram, or Be Real, but his entry into Jerusalem was spread by word of mouth through 2.7 million people. Wow. God can do anything he wants. And verse nine says, when all the people heard of Jesus's arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see whom Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Everybody wanted to see Lazarus. Wouldn't you? I think I would want to see him. And I think I might want to ask him. So what is, what is it like on the other side? Did you see a bright light? What happened? Did you, were you like in darkness the whole time? Did you go to heaven? Did you go to hell? What happened, Lazarus? Where were you at? I think we would want to know a little bit about the other side. And people want to talk to him. And, and he becomes such a threat that the religious leaders like want to kill him again. Poor guy. The guy, maybe he was in heaven and he came back. as Jesus said, come on back, come forth, Lazarus. And he comes back and, and now he can't get a break. And now he's walking around and he's a living billboard that there's something different about Jesus. He's a living billboard that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Nobody can compare it to Jesus. So the teachings and miracles of Jesus did this, this incredible thing. It created this great crowd of people to follow him and, and, and maybe get a touch, uh, you know, experience a miracle. But the other side of the miracles is it created rage, anger from the religious leaders. They, they felt threatened. They didn't, they didn't like it at all. And here comes the story. There's the backdrop of Palm Sunday. And here's the story. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read this account. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, and this is about a half a mile outside of Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and, and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, let's 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 just read this together, guys. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amazing story. So Jesus you know, first of all, he's, he's just, you know, about a half a mile before he gets into the city. He tells a couple of guys, go get a, go get a donkey. Matthew's account is the only account where he talks about two. He talks about a donkey and a colt. And he says, bring two. the other gospels just say the cult, but, but in Matthew's account, he says, get this donkey and cult. uh, Some Bible scholars believed it could have been, you know, the mom or whatever it might be, but he, he brings this, this over and, and he, he chooses to ride uh, this, this uh, donkey into, into Jerusalem. Now think about Jesus riding into Jerusalem. He rides in from the East side of Jerusalem. And when he rides in, there's this stir and there's this celebration and palm branches are laying down. Palm branches are like our U.S. flag, the stars and stripes. It's very patriotic. And they're saying, Jesus is going to be our king. He's going to deliver us from Roman oppression. And that's their thinking. It's a huge day of misunderstanding. It's a huge paradox, So they're saying, Jesus, you came to save us from Roman oppression, and Jesus is riding in. He's not about to just save them. He's going to save the entire world. That's happening on the east side. You know what's happening on the west side of Jerusalem at this time? A man named Pontius Pilate is entering in with his parade, And he's entering in, all all the good Romans, they know how significant Jewish Passover is. But he's writing in to assert his authority. In fact, the emperor was not simply the ruler of Rome. In Roman imperial theology, he was considered to be the son of God. It began with Augustus. Inscriptions about him said he was the son of God who brought peace on earth. So Pilate's procession embodied not only a rival social order, but a rival theology also. Marcus Borg said it like this. Jesus's decision to enter the city as he did what we would call a planned political demonstration, a counter demonstration. The juxtaposition of these two processions embodies the central conflict of Jesus's last week the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of imperial domination. What Christians have often spoken of as Jesus' triumphal entry was really an anti-imperial entry. What we call Palm Sunday featured a choice of two kingdoms, two visions of life on earth. That's what Palm Sunday is. So you have this Roman procession, and then you have the Messiah procession. And which one would you be a part of? And these gospels talk about this donkey. And I, I'm fascinated with the donkey because it seems like it's one of those, those, uh, those things in scripture when Jesus says, hey, I want you to go get this donkey and it just so happens that the donkey is available and the disciples know where to go. And Matthew chapter 21 verse two says, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me. So about a half a mile before he enters Jerusalem, he stops and gives these instructions. And I just want to say this. If Jesus knew there was an unridden donkey nearby, And what the owner would say, he certainly knows the details of your life and what's waiting for you around the corner. You don't have to worry about anything. God came and he interrupted our time and our space and he sent Jesus Christ. He became flesh for you and for me. And this day had been planned out. Jesus knew it would happen. And you don't have to worry or be bogged down with worry or anxiety and thinking what's going to happen because God can see around the corner. He can see things that you can't see and he wants you to trust him. So you don't have to worry or stress about anything. And then you see this really seemingly insignificant task. And he says, I want you to go get this donkey for me for you to do that. When was the last time God gave you a job? You ever had a task that God told you, I want you to do this? When was the last time that happened? Whatever it was, I want to say this. Any small task God asks of you has a bigger purpose. Any task from God is a big task. Anything. God told, think about this, God told Moses to pick up a staff seemed like an insignificant thing, but he used it in great ways. Then God told him to raise up his arms. God told Joshua and the Israelites to take a few steps into the Jordan River. He said, nope, I want you to take a few steps, and then you'll see what I'm going to do. God told David, why don't you pick up a few rocks? Just pick up some rocks. God told Rahab to get a rope and a bucket. God told, God, God told Peter, you know, Jesus told Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat throw it on the other side. And Jesus now tells these two disciples, why don't you go get a a donkey for me? The obedience to God is just being obedient to whatever he tells you to do. Even the small things, even the small things. Corey ten Boom, she was asked if it was difficult for her to remain humble. And her reply was really simple. She said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments onto the road and singing praises, do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? She continued, if I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor. Let's put it, let me put it this way. Submitting to the will of Jesus means you're okay when the applause is not for you. When you submit to God's will, that means you're okay if you don't get recognized. You're okay if there's, if there, if there's no applause for you. You're okay. And the greatest moments in your life will come from you submitting to the will of God. The greatest moments in your life will involve you submitting to the will of God. And whatever it is, when you submit to the will of God, there's this incredible freedom that's there. And God will use you in greater ways. When you think about it, most of our, much of our life, especially when you, when you don't know God, you just resist the will of God. Because that's called pride. Pride that's stubbornness. And we say, no way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to submit to the will of God. And you know what? Not I talked about people who are far from God, but you can be a Christian and be full of pride. Absolutely. You can go to church every weekend and be full of pride and you can, you can resist the will of God. When God says, I want you to serve me. You can say, nope, I'm not going to serve you. I served plenty of time in the past. I'm not going to serve anymore. You're resisting the will of God. When God says, I want you to walk across the street and share your faith. Nope, I'm not going to do that. You're resisting the will of God. You got you to you submit yourself to the will of God. Zechariah, the prophet said, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's a, he is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. You know, the, the donkey represented peace. Horse, a horse represented war. So when, when, when Pontius Pilate is, is riding in, and for Rome, they know that horses with, with, uh, with the imperial army and everything around them, that represents war and strength. Jesus chooses to ride in on a donkey that represents peace, He, he comes in, he comes in like that and it's a different mindset. And as he rides in, um, the Hebrews are celebrating. They're like, Oh, finally he, our deliverer has come. And he comes in riding on a donkey and people look at him and say, this doesn't make any sense. He should be on a horse, but they're not thinking like Jesus. They don't see what's happening like, like Jesus in a uh, super bowl 2021 i want to talk about that super bowl because that's when the kansas city chiefs lost so uh <laughs> they played the tampa bay buccaneers all right they, they won last year you get all the props i know it's a great thing there but but the first one super bowl 2021 was really interesting because it was a pretty iconic super bowl um the chiefs um won the year before and and they were the, they they still are kind of the powerhouse of football Patrick Mahomes represents kind of the new era of quarterbacks. And Tom Brady was really last year's model. You know, he won six Super Bowls. And now he's facing the new generation, the new model, Patrick Mahomes. So, so people would look at Tom Brady and say, this guy should be put on a shelf. You put him out to graze, the pastor. He's, he should be done. But something happened with this vintage quarterback. Um, he, he, he defeated the Saints. He defeated the Saints and uh, defeated Drew Brees. And then he defeated the Packers and Aaron Rodgers And uh, one by one, he defeated some of them. And the week before the Super Bowl, every night at eleven o'clock at night, he would text all of his players and say, "And said we will win this game." Every night at eleven o'clock, leading up to the Super Bowl, he's texted, "We will win this game." And he was cultivating a mindset because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a culture of losing. They knew how to lose. They expected to lose, and he was cultivating. He knew his teammates, as gifted and talented as they were, did not have a mindset of winning. Palm Sunday is about Jesus sending this message that we will win the game, that Jesus is gonna win. The battle's already been won. The crowd didn't know what they were celebrating, but it should have been the greatest celebration ever. They were celebrating Jesus's riding in and he's going to, you know, he's going to be our king. And there was just incredible applause and excitement. But Jesus is riding in and he's thinking about the cross. He's thinking about the price. He's thinking about the weight of the sins of the world. But he also knows what's on the other side, the resurrection. He knows that Palm Sunday is a message to us. It's a message to us. Isaiah chapter nine says, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire for a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. He's bringing peace. He's bringing peace. Peace. Here's what I want to say. The crowd of Palm Sunday wanted salvation from Rome, not salvation from sin. They wanted war. Jesus brought peace. And we can have the same mentality. We want God on a horse, but he chooses a donkey. Right? We say, God, this is how you fix this. This is how you fix her. This is how you fix him. This is how you fix them. I need you to get on a horse. Let's go to war. And Jesus says, I'll take a donkey. I'll bring peace. This reminds me of Colossians chapter 1. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, that's through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace. Say peace with me, church. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. He came in on a horse. He knew he was about to shed his blood. For all of humanity. And that blood was so powerful. It was going to create peace. Between Jews and Gentiles. It was going to create peace. In everything in heaven and on earth. The blood of Christ was going to be enough. He was the lamb on passover sunday that god was giving to the world and he came in riding on a donkey prepared to give himself as a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. So that now, 2,000 years later, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and his blood supernaturally covers you. And it's enough for you to experience the grace of God and the forgiveness of your sins. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's done for us. Palm Sunday is a day of announcement. It's a day of announcement. And verse nine said, the crowds that went ahead on him, of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna. Say Hosanna with me. Hosanna to the son of David. You know what Hosanna means? Save us. Save us. Save us. Anybody desperate for God? Anybody desperate for God to move in your life? Anybody desperate for hearing God? Anybody desperate for God to hear that prayer? Anybody desperate for God's will for your life? Anybody desperate for God? Anybody? If you're desperate for God, God will hear your prayer. Yeah, glory to God. God will hear your prayer. And God responds when you say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Save me, Lord, save me! thinking in this story, guys, is he's at the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives, there's a lot of stuff that went down on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives, centuries earlier, King David cried over his son, Absalom, at the Mount of Olives. At the Mount of Olives is the same place also where Jesus taught the great Olivet Discourse. That's what he did at the Mount of Olives. At the Mount of Olives is a place that Jesus knows, but it's also another place It's the place of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the place where Jesus said, "'Not my will, but your will be done.'" So you have this one place, the Mount of Olives, and I wanna say this, we all have a Mount of Olives. It's that place where there are stains of tears and joy, but most importantly, it's that place marked with God's faithfulness. Do you know that place? You can look back and you might say, "'Oh, that house.'" that address pain but there was joy and you have a God who redeems God can take you back to that same place and he can heal you he can work in your heart God is so good at doing this he can heal you and he can give you a new memory and he can give you a new story and you may have an old story but he can give you a new story and he does that I don't know what you're facing right now, but God knows what you're facing. And God is big enough to handle your situation. He knows what's around the corner. Be faithful, hold on to your faith, trust Him with all of your heart and all of your mind and cry out to Him with desperation. Cry out to Him and say, Jesus, I want more of you. See, Jesus has a future for you. He he will guide you every single day give you a better life than you can give yourself. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to walk by faith with Him. He wants you to learn to hear His voice. And He'll take care of your future. He'll take care of your life. He'll take care of your health. He'll hear your prayers and He'll work through you. When I think about this whole donkey, I think Jesus came in on a, on, a, on this donkey. But you know what Scripture says in the book of Revelation? That when He comes back, He's gonna be on a horse. It's gonna be different guys, it's gonna be different. When he comes back, he's gonna be on a horse. Check this out, Revelation chapter 19. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the white presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, this name written shout it out king of kings and lord of lords that's jesus that's jesus that's the jesus who i wrote it on palm sunday that's the jesus who's available for you that's a jesus who wants all of your life that's a jesus who wants to take your past take your present and take your future. That's the Jesus that will take care of your problem. That's the Jesus that will deliver you. That's the Jesus that will heal you. That's the Jesus that will save you. That's the Jesus that will renew you. That's the Jesus that will revive you. That's the Jesus that hears your prayers. He's alive today. He is risen from the grave and you can cry out to him. He is Jesus and there's nobody like Jesus. Anybody praise the Lord. Is Jesus, I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at, but turn to Jesus right now. While you have breath in your lungs, turn to Jesus right now. You have an incredible opportunity to know Jesus. You have an incredible opportunity. Turn to him. Cry out to him. Say, Hosanna, I need you. I want to lead you in a prayer, guys. Some of you, maybe you don't know Jesus. Would you give me the privilege to pray for you? Maybe you used to know Jesus and you walked away from God. Maybe that's you. But today you want to come back. You want to come back home. Jesus wants you to come back home. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for your spirit. You've helped me preach this message, Lord, and I've done my best to show these good people the significance of Palm Sunday Jesus we cry out to you Hosanna Hosanna you are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and if you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior would you say this say Jesus I ask you to come into my heart I ask you to be my Lord I ask you to save me from my sins forgive me Forgive me for all of my sins. I want to learn to walk with you. I want to live a new life. So put new life in me like you did with Lazarus. Give me a new heart, a new mind. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to do that. I turn to you, Jesus, and right now I become a Christian. Others of you maybe need to say this. God give me a job to do (laughs) what do you want me to do God what is your will God I'm willing to do anything use me like you did those two men and their job was to go fetch a donkey what do you want me to do this week who do you want me to invite use me God and maybe you need to say this Jesus I worship you right now Right now, I worship you. In the middle of the unknowns, in the middle of the problems, in the middle of my craziness, I choose to worship you. I choose to put my faith in you. I'm going to trust you that you know what's around the corner. And I'm going to choose to walk in obedience and faith. Thank you, God, for your word. Jesus, you are the word of God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship you. It's in your name we pray all this. Amen. Can we thank God for his word, guys? Can we thank God for his word? God's so good.